The Longhorn Confidential Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. Hello, Texas fans. This is the Longhorn Confidential for Wednesday, June 24th. I'm Danny Davis, the Austin American Statesman. I'm joined today by my main man, Mike Craven, who's actually in Maine, recording from the great state. Uh, Mike, how are you doing these days? I'm doing pretty good. Haven't sweated in a couple weeks, so I'm, I'm loving the weather here. All right, Mike, let's talk recruiting. There's some news to get to. Uh, since our last recording, um, Texas has gained two commitments, uh, J.D. Coffey and Ishmael Ibrahim. Um, let's, let's talk about J.D. first, a Kennedale safety, four-star, six, six foot, 180, committed to Longhorns on June 15th. Uh, what do Texas fans need to know about young Mr. Coffey? Uh, he's a prolific safety. You know, he's been starting since he was a freshman. He was a Max Preps freshman All-American there at Kennedale, uh, you know, smaller school, 4A school. Um, but just a football player, kind of more of a center field type safety, uh, good in coverage, especially in zone, really knows how to get around the football. I don't know if he's an in-box safety. I don't know if he's a, he's a big enough guy to play that position. But in terms of style, you know, I think Texas fans need to think kind of a Caden Stearns type, you know, kind of roams areas, can make uh, breaks on some footballs, and then also a really sound and fundamental tackler who just, you know, is always around the football and just a, just an overall football playing dude. Now, you've reported that Texas has offered 11 safeties in its 2021 recruiting cycle. Where does uh, J.D. rank on that list of 11? Is he near the top? Is he in the middle? Taken near the end. I mean, where does he kind of rank on that scale of the 11 safeties Texas has been interested in? Yeah, he's probably in that – he's in that upper third. You know, I think he's fourth out of the, those 11 guys. The national rankings are, are a little bit uh, – the, comp- the composite rankings have him higher um, than 24-7 does, so I don't know if he'll drop some or, or go up some. I have him in the 30s on the Fab 55. So, I think a really good prospect if he played at a 6A school – uh, maybe would be easier to rank him higher just seeing him around that competition. But the one thing that's tough about J.D. Coffey and ranking him is you look at him around his competition, he's just so much better that it's really hard. Baron Browning was the same way at the same school a couple of years ago, the linebacker at Ohio State. So he is far and away the best player on every football field he steps on. It's just a matter of if he can adjust to maybe not being as athletically dominant once he gets in college. Now, since Tom Herman took over, he certainly has not been afraid to pit, play freshmen at the safety position. Obviously, Caden Stearns, B.J. Foster, they were five-star guys coming in, so you, you expect them to play. Uh, but, you know, Chris Adamora got some run. Tyler Owens got a little bit of play in time this past year. You know, is J.D. Coffey, is he someone who um, could play as a freshman once he gets to campus in 2021, or is he going to be a, a guy that they need to develop a little bit in the, you know, have him grow and maybe play as a sophomore junior. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you want him walking on campus, you know, as a starter. You know, that's just a, a sign of a good program is having some guys in front of you. But I think he definitely has a chance to crack the two deep, play some special teams. Um, as we saw last year, injuries can always happen. A lot of that depends on if Caden Stearns, B.J. Foster, if those guys are still on campus. You know, if they have big years or if they go to the NFL, uh, if this year, you know, at the worst case scenario gets canceled or something, you know, then all of a sudden there's room for, for guys to start at. Chris Adamora is a young star who's going to have his spot. But there's there's some open spots there for other players, Xavier Alford and guys like that who are showing up on campus. So with injuries and with how 
you know, guys want to get out, you know, and get into the NFL as, as early as they can to start their, their earning potential. I, I believe there's always an opportunity uh, for a defensive back to come in and at least find a role somewhere in a Big 12, you know, where everybody passes the ball. Well, let's go over to Dallas Kimball, which is where we'll find a good young cornerback, Ishmael Ibrahim, four-star, commit, 6'1", 175, also committed on uh, June 15th. What do we need to know about him? Um, what kind of talent did Texas get when they got that other commitment on June 15th? Yeah, I don't know if there's a better cornerback in the state in terms of just like if you got on a video game and built what you need them. You know, if you created a player and he wanted to be a cornerback, you know, I think uh, Ishmael Ibrahim is kind of the prototype. 6'1", 175, really long, can run, can turn his hips. Uh, the thing with with Ibrahim is he just he plays at a school that isn't known for being fantastic. It's not a district that that has a ton. Uh, of talent so he's raw he just hasn't been challenged by great wide receivers yet he has all the tools there uh, we didn't get to see him in camps this year he was one of those guys I wanted to see you know at an opening regional and kind of see him go against the best players in, in the state see how he he held up but in terms of just tools and physicality and just what you you want in a player at the position I don't know if he's lacking anything I think we've talked about this before, but obviously when you're a cornerback in a conference like the Big 12, you can get exposed a lot and people are going to score on you. That's just going to happen. Even the best corners in this uh, you know, conference are going to you know, have beyond the negative end on some, on some highlights just because of how good the offenses are. Do you stand out defensive backs? Do they want to play in the Big 12? Do they want, do those corners want to, you know, have that on their highlight film or do they, or do they feel that you know going to the SEC where maybe they, they won't be on the end of these negative highlights might be better for them as they prepare for the NFL? Or is it the flip side where they want to be going against the best receivers and just get good that way? Yeah, I mean, I think the Big 12 is a great selling point uh, for wide receivers and defensive backs because you know you're going to get a, a, you know, an opportunity. A lot of it is seven-on-seven seven with football pads on. Now, you know, the SEC and other conferences are starting to kind of transform into that, too. So maybe that advantage goes away as LSU, Alabama, those schools uh, go to the spread as well. But, you know, I remember that 2018 class talking to Deshaun Jameson, uh, Jalen Green, uh, B.J. Foster, Anthony Cook. You know, those are all really good friends, four guys from the Houston area. And that was one of the things that they talked about wanting to come to Texas for. You know, they could all play. They could all play at the same time. You know, Texas is based – Defense is probably going to be a four-two-five. So uh, you come to a Big Twelve school, five defensive backs are probably going to play at all times, um, and I think that is a huge selling point. And also, not only that, but like we talked about with the young guys getting to play, now it's impossible to ask a safety to play, you know, every snap in modern football the way offenses are. So even if you're not a starter, you're going to get that tape and you're going to get on the field, and that has to be uh, a big important thing. Um, in the Big 12, just like maybe playing running back or linebacker is a little bit more attractive in the SEC. Now, you know, when you know, Ishmael gets to campus in 2021, if the guys don't leave early, you know, your Jalen Green, your Kobe Boyce, your Josh Thompson's, um, your Deshaun Jamison's, they're going to be seniors. So conceivably as a sophomore, there's going to be a lot of reps open. Anthony Cook is currently in the portal. We don't, you know, we don't expect him to be on campus uh, next year, but you know, you never know. He may come back, but regardless, if he does come back, he'd be a senior in 2021 too. You know, 
with those five, four to five names all phasing out, does Texas need to bring in more young talent? Does Texas need another cornerback in this 2021 class as they look ahead to the future, knowing that at some point, whether it's uh, 2021 or 2022, there's going to be a lot of names taken off their roster in, in that cornerback room? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a year that they would love to sign three cornerbacks. I'm just not sure that there's three cornerbacks that they love that also love Texas. You know, Latrell McCutcheon from Austin LBJ has just never been interested in Texas, probably going to end up at Oklahoma. Um, so it's just one of those things where it's like they're looking around the state. I don't know if they have identified guys that they feel are worthy of other scholarship offers. And so it may be a national thing. And again, with this cycle, it's tough because if you haven't made that evaluation early and you haven't already extended an offer, or you already don't know a kid, that's hard to build a relationship with someone. It's hard to go find players right now because there's no new tape. Um, so I think it may be one of those things where they keep working on some guys that are already offered, uh, out-of-state guys that, you know, they hope to bring in. You know, and then it becomes one of those, if football happens this year at the high school level, I expect to see two or three more offers go out in the fall as they try to fill up space. And then the 2022 class is loaded with cornerbacks the way 2021 is with offensive linemen. So it may be one of those things where, you know, they hold on to a scholarship or two for 2022 if they can't find some guys that they feel worthy of getting on campus. Um, you wrote, we're recording this on Wednesday, as I said earlier, uh, you wrote today in your dotted line column about receivers, um, this 2021 class. Uh, Texas only has one true receiver that's been committed to this class. There's some athletes like Jatavian Sanders, excuse me, and Billy Bowman who can play the position, but they may be better elsewhere. Um, Juan Davis is probably a tight end at Texas, although, you know, he could be a, a wide receiver. But, you know, Casey Kane is the only true receiver in this upcoming class. Three-star kid. Um, they had to get him from out of state. Why hasn't Texas had more success in getting receivers? Because you look at who they're losing. Um, Devin Duvernay is coming off a great season. So, obviously, there is room. You know, you can succeed at the receiver position at Texas. Um uh, Colin Johnson just got drafted. So that's two drafted receivers out of this class. So you, you obviously Texas can develop that position. But only one true receiver in this class. Why do you think they, people just aren't – it's not like Mike Yersich your, your hasn't had success at Ohio State with receivers. Why hasn't Texas been able to get those uh, you know, receivers to commit um, to the, to long, the long ones? Yeah, I, I think one part is Sam Ellinger being a senior. So you can't really go to any of these wide receivers right now and, and sell a quarterback to them. You know, uh, you don't really know who's going to be the starter or what that system's going to look like under a new offensive coordinator and a new quarterback, you know, once those guys are on campus with Sam, you know, leaving after this year. And then I, I think, too, a, a, you know, a part that we need to acknowledge here is that, you know, Texas's main recruiting rivals on, on the recruiting trail are, are really Oklahoma and LSU. And if you're a wide receiver and you're looking at, you know, just the history of the draft over the last decade, the success of the, of the teams over the last decade, uh, the passing abilities of LSU last year, just, you know, even when they weren't that great at throwing the ball, they were still, you know, Odell Beckham and all that kind of stuff came out of there. You know, it's been since Roy Williams, B.J. Johnson, Sloan Thomas, since Texas really had you know, dominant wide receivers like that. And so I think it's a perception issue. If you're, if you're a wide receiver in the state of Texas right now and your three choices are Oklahoma, LSU, and Texas, I'd be hard-pressed to argue with the kid who wanted to go to Oklahoma or LSU just by 
you know, the sheer, uh, you know, history of that position getting produced into the NFL over this last decade. And so I think that plays a part of it. Maybe that changes over the next couple of years. But right now, you know, you have guys who are looking at C.D. Lamb and and all those Oklahoma receiver, Marquise Brown, all those guys who have gone to the NFL. They look at LSU and what that offense looked like last year. And Texas just simply isn't as sexy as those two places. Um, one of the receivers Texas is looking at is uh, Jaden Alexis, receiver out of the Florida area. Uh, Monarch Prep is where he attends school. Uh, you recently wrote about five guys at Texas, five targets that Texas is really looking at. Um, Jaden, Andrew McCuba, who's a defensive back at LBJ in the Austin area. Devin Lemire down, from down the road at Maynard. Terrence Cooks, a linebacker out of Shadow Creek. Shamar Turner, a DeSoto defensive. And of those five names, you know, who are kind of the best bets? Who should Texas fans kind of – stencil into their 2020 recruiting class. Who, who, who do you think is going to end up committing to a Longhorn out of that quintet? Yeah, I, I think Jaden Alexis is, you know, the, the favorite uh, to be the next commitment uh, in the class. You know, I think he's been a Texas lean for a while. He really loves Austin. Yeah, I think the one thing that's holding him back is just not knowing when, when visits are going to be able to happen again. He hasn't really been to Austin in a, in a Texas visit kind of way. He's done the virtual tour, but I believe he'd like to at least just come to Austin before pulling the trigger. Uh, and then I think, I think Terrence Cooks is a guy, the linebacker from Shadow Creek. He's going to take his time with the recruiting process. Again, this is just a weird cycle with COVID-19 and all the travel restrictions, but it's hard for me to believe he ends up somewhere else. He's really close with Derek Harris, a, a commitment um, from that same area in Houston, a fellow linebacker, defensive end type player. He's close with Jalen Milrow, the quarterback from Katie Tompkins. So I think Terrence Cooks from Shadow Creek uh, gets to be a part of this class eventually. But if I was placing money on it, Jaden Alexis is probably that next guy to join. If you've been paying attention at all to hookem.com or, you know, whatever your favorite website is about Texas, um, Texas, Athletics, you obviously know about the recent um, protests that the athletes in the athletic department have been staging and, you know, kind of the demands that they have put forward as, you know, in regards to, you know, the eyes of Texas and getting some buildings uh, renamed and some of the things that they, as young as the athletes, want to see changed on, on their campus. And there certainly has generated a lot of discussion among some you know, hard-headed alums who don't want any change and some former athletes who are really applauding what these, uh, the, this next generation is trying, that racial change, racial, racial change that they are trying to um, get done. But, you know, when you've been talking to some of the athletes that are next, the recruits, the guys that are looking at Texas may have signed or are committed or are looking at Texas, what has been their kind of opinion on, you know, these athletes using their voices to right some wrongs that have been wrong for a long time and need to uh, at least uh, they're, they're using their, their voice for what they view as good. Yeah, I mean, I would say that these recruits are watching and if fans would like their football programs to continue being successful, they need to understand that these complaints are not only valid, um, but important to them. You know, it, it's it's not, you know, I don't know how to put the kids that are getting recruited look like the players who are making the complaints and they look like the people who are doing the protest and are being, um, 
you know, marginalized and, you know, and so their reaction is going to be overwhelmingly positive. I think, you know, from talking to the players, you know, I think there was a sense of pride, even from Hayden Connor, a white offensive lineman, from Katie Taylor. It was one of those where it's like, you know, the University of Texas is supposed the big slogan is, you know, what, like where things begin, right. Or whatever, you know, what it starts here changes the world. And, you know, I, I think that idea has to be true for the players and, uh, you're not going to find young, mostly black athletes be upset that they're wanting to to find some equality on campus and to change some of those statues. And so, you know, I think young people of all races, all creeds um, are mostly behind all of this stuff. And that extends to the recruiting trail. And, and what they're watching now is, you know, not what the college kids are asking for, but how alums, how coaches, how athletic directors are responding to those demands. And we will see fallout from that. If there are programs who are hard-headed and refuse to change and dig in their, their heels to their alums who don't, don't want that change, you're going to see um, some issues on the recruiting trail. If you see schools really kind of roll with it, adapt it, and go, hey, we've, we've had some wrongs in our past. We're going to go and correct that and do the best we can moving forward. You're going to see that uh, rewarded by players wanting to go there. So I think this is a very important time in kind of college football with, you know, the likenesses and the, the autographs, you know, there's a lot of change going towards these players understanding they have power. They may not be able to make millions of dollars, but they have power. And one of the ways that they're wanting to use their power right now is for social change and the recruits far and away. I mean, I, I, I haven't talked to one person who has, you know, found it negative at all. And so I think young people in general, are all for these changes. I'd have, I'd have to imagine the, the young people um, in the future uh, of college football, they're probably more inclined to you know, be paying attention to what their predecessors, the, the guys that are current guys and girls, um, women who are currently on campus, what they're saying and doing, they're probably more inclined to want to, you know, follow their, their, the trail that they're paving as opposed to, you know, what's being paved on Facebook comments or, you know, some of the, you know, people who are, you know, typing out emails that they're sending to you and Brian Davis and me about, or Cedric Golden too, about uh, their opposition about one of these, uh, what these young guys are, are doing. And, you know, I, th- I think in our last podcast, we talked about listening um, and kind of what is, you know, how powerful it is just to listen to what these athletes are saying. You don't, you don't have to agree with everything that they're um, asking for. I mean, no one's asking you to um, do that, but I think it's a, it's, it's, it takes a lot more courage to listen than it does to say some of the stuff that uh, some of these alums and so-called fans are saying from behind their keyboard um, on their Twitter account, Longhorn fan X31 or whatever with the avatar being, you know, some, uh, you know, Longhorn, um, you know, a, a picture of Bebo. No one knows who you are. And these athletes are out there putting their, you know, faces out there and putting their, you know, putting their names to their, what they want. And they're showing a lot of courage. And, you know, the fans are, a lot of these fans are not. Um, a lot of these fans are acting like cowards and, you know, the way that they've reacted. And I think the recruits are taking notice of that. Um, and we'll have to see, you know, years down the road, how much of an impact that has. And, how much of an impact these, uh, you know, at, at the, um, this activism among these current athletes has had, but it's and definitely going to be interesting to see over these next, uh, next couple of years. 
and it's not only the recruits, it's the parents as well. Mm-hmm. And the, and the coaches and, and the trainers and, you know, the, the mentors of, of these young men, you know, there, there's a, there, you want to go play for a coach who cares about you, not just on Saturday. I think you want to go work for a boss who cares about you. Right. I mean that we all have that in us where we want to feel cared about when we're not exactly, you know, important, you know, they want to be, somebody who's listened to on Tuesday and not just cheered on on Saturday. And if you can't listen to these kids and what they're talking about and what they're feeling, you honestly, in my opinion, have no right to cheer for them on on Saturday. And so I I think that's where they're kind of at as players. I think that's where they're at as recruits and where they're at as parents of players and stuff. They don't want to sit in stands and hear all that kind of stuff. And so I, I just think it's a, it's a time to make a shift in your choice. You know, me again, being the white guy on this podcast, your choice is to listen and get on the right side of history or drag your feet and be one of the people that's on the wrong side of history. Cause we know where this is going. And so it's just a matter of, of figuring out where you'd like to be on the argument. Um, in my opinion, I think the activism among these long run athletes has been a positive headline. Um, I think it's yep. something to, you know, be proud of if you disagree. I don't really care. But um, <laughs> on the flip side, there have been some negative headlines as it comes to, um, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and some of the uh, racial injustice protests, um, Oklahoma State with Mike Gundy. I think that was a negative headline in his uh, T-shirt collection and kind of the um, reaction to that. Uh, Florida State had an issue with uh, their coach talking out of hand and, um, you know, inflating the conversation he's he's had with his uh athletes seems like they've kind of been able to smooth that over um iowa there's been some issue i don't know if that's necessarily you know um, a racial issue as opposed to you know just a strength coach acting out and being <laughs> act, acting acting out i'll just leave it at that uh you know in, in the mississippi schools with the confederate flag and some of their players step it up and say they don't feel comfortable um with uh, the state's association to that flag. So I asked that to say on the flip side, how are recruits acting about, you know, how are they reacting to those headlines? Because on one hand, you know, as we talked about, you know, you could say that a, a recruit would just cross those schools off his list. And maybe if, you know, it comes down to a Oklahoma state versus Texas, you know, the, an athlete may be more inclined to you know pick Texas um, based on recent headlines, but those are also power five schools. And those are power five schools with uh, track records of getting their athletes to the NFL. And I wonder if maybe that is a bigger selling point than what Mike Gundy, because Mike Gundy has been Mike Gundy for a long time and he's still getting the, he's still getting those recruits assigned on the dotted line. So I wonder if, um, if the negative headlines are weighing more or these coaches are kind of able to sweep those under the rug when they're in the living room with these athletes and their parents. I think it comes down, you know, like a lot of these things, it, you know, it's going to come down to the individual athletes and kind of what's important to them and what's not important to them. And I think there will be a, a group of, of players who, you know, are turned off by, you know, what's happening with Dabo Sweeney, what's happening with Mike Gundy. I, I think there are, you know, probably some players who, if have similar options, will go other places or will just frankly not consider those schools because they don't want to deal with it. On the other hand, you know, if you're, I mean, I went to UTSA, for example, and if I'm a player coming out of high school and I, you know, for me, it was baseball, but, you know, for these kids, football, 
and you're like, okay, well, you know, I, I have two scholarship offers, one's to Oklahoma State, one's to UTSA. I really like what's going on at UTSA culture-wise. Uh, but in terms of, like, my trajectory trying to get into the NFL and play big-time football, it, it's unquestionable which one's the, the more uh, profitable and probably easier route. And so, you know, I still think there is that going to happen. You know, at the end of the day, there are only a certain amount of Power 5 schools or only a certain amount of Big 12 schools. And, and frankly, I think a lot of these players are used to playing for coaches who don't believe anywhere near what they believe in. And so I, I don't know if it'll be all that different for them. If you win polled the average black high school player in Texas, if their head coach, you know, believed in the same kind of political stuff they do, I'd imagine most of them say no. And so, uh, you know, it's just something that they've been used to and it's something that I don't think completely ends Oklahoma State's ability to recruit, even though there will be some of those recruits out there that just won't answer the phone. Okay, I, think I that's probably gonna... didn't even I probably didn't even answer that with that. But it, yeah, it'll come down to just kind of the, you know, the person and, and what they think is important and what they're valuing in a college experience. I think that was an excellent answer. And uh, we're going we're gonna to wrap it up on that. Uh, as always, check out hook'em.com throughout the week. Mike has his dotted line column that uh, runs throughout the week. Um, I have other uh, things that are worth, worth reading, I think. Uh, BD, Cedric Gold, and Kirk Bowles, they're doing their thing too. So check that out at hook'em.com. Uh, don't forget to shoot us a review at the Apple Store and the Google Podcast app. We sure do appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in whenever we do get these podcasts up. Uh, the Longhorn Confidential is brought to you by Zaxby's. Taking chicken, to, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Excuse me. Stop by your neighbor's Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby.com forward slash podcast. Uh, I hope everyone's staying safe out there and we will see you guys soon.